Hello world. Coming to you live from Adreform user feed headquarters, Decatur, Georgia. Old Depot District. Stand up. <laughs> One characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was grit. We made it. We're here. Finally doing this. We have arrived. Welcome to the first episode of Made with Grit. I am your co-host, Kyle Conero. And I am Landon Bennett. We have talked about doing this for, uh, I don't know, ever since we, basically since we started the company almost. Probably, yeah, at least a year. And we're actually doing it now. So that's a, very exciting. And we're, if there's anyone on the other end, we're very happy to have you. The one or two people that listen to that's it. That's not me. Our wives. Or you. <laughs> so what shall we get into today? A good way to start the first episode would be to kind of hit on our, our big uh, revenue milestone that we just hit. So just to give a little background, we started Ad Reform in, uh, I guess, 2017. So it's been about two and a half years. And we just hit 250K in annual reoccurring revenue between our two SaaS products, Ad Reform and UserFeed. So I figured we'd just talk about like things that we did wrong, things that we did right. And um, you know, hopefully it helps a couple folks out there. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I think we... We set out to solve some problems in the ad ops world with ad reform. And like many people, we, we probably started out and built, maybe built a few things we didn't need to, or maybe, maybe thought it would be a little easier to solve some of those problems than it was. But uh, it didn't take too long to get an initial product out and a couple customers within a few months. Um, but it definitely, like looking back, it definitely was... And it slowed down a little bit yeah, it, for it, a while. It definitely was, um, was tough. And I think... A lot of it is just the mental game of trying to get from zero to dollars. Yeah. And if you didn't look at our, I guess, the, the art for this podcast, um, we're, we're bootstrapped, which makes it a lot harder, at least from an emotional standpoint, I think, just thinking that, oh, we don't have any money coming in. Um, that can make it a little bit more stressful, uh, especially in the beginning. I think we did a couple things right. Yeah. Probably a lot more wrong. Yeah, good mix. <laughs> I, I also think too, like talking about bootstrapping, even though we, we've been bootstrapping this whole time, there's, there's also those conversations, especially early on when you're talking about should we raise money? I mean, that's an ongoing conversation always. And I think that may not really l- lead to stress per se, but there's always like in the back of your mind thinking, should we just try to find a little bit of money to ease the personal finance burden a little bit? I think that on top of the fact that you're trying to like build this thing from nothing with with no money uh is kind of part of the stress but that's probably a good actually that's probably a good place to start why did we start the company and bootstrap it from the beginning versus like trying to go get a little bit of money because we did go out and kind of we we talked to a couple of folks I, I guess angels um considered taking some money but we ended up choosing not to we've probably gone through that process five times <laughs> since then uh, in the last two years and every time choosing not to so i guess maybe is a good way to start to just talk about why we're bootstrapping. Yeah. I'm trying to remember those initial conversations. I felt like that was always the plan or that was always kind of the, that was almost an assumption baked into us doing this. And for me, it's a lot of it's just about control and simplicity. I mean, everyone talks about control, obviously that's a big one and not having outside investors to, to kind of muddle the vision or whatever. I mean, in some cases that can be super valuable, so I don't want to downplay that, but well, it's like a ton to worry about. Like even when we started thinking about it, it just, we're sitting there thinking about it and talking about it for days and it's like, we're not doing anything. Yeah. We're not yeah. building anything. We're not like 
taking steps forward. So I th- and we went through the funding process in our last company a few times. I mean, it took you know six to nine months of meeting with VCs and going through all this crazy stuff. And it just like, it took away so much time and focus from the actual business where we could have been more productive, more focused. And I think, I mean, I kind of felt that way even at our small level of just like, you know, even thinking about taking like, you know, 100 to 200K or something. Yeah, you're kind of playing two sides. Like game one is to build a company and build solutions for your customers. And then game two is to like present yourself in a certain way and try to convince these other people that they should give you their money. On a personal level, that that kind of stuff is exhausting to me. I have a very low bar for presentation mode. So at, at the most basic level, it's also just easier for me not to deal with it. But I think too, it's just, it's nice when we get a dollar in to the business from a customer. First of all, it's like, that means they think we're worth something. Obviously, hopefully they pay more than $1. But when they get a dollar, when they give us a dollar, we know where it's going and there's no debts there's no there's no there's no complexity to to it and i think that's something i really like mentally that i don't have that weight of of thinking about that stuff as we as we move along day to day yeah i think it's the worry factor and then also just the freedom of just we can kind of make decisions based on a, a different set of stakeholders so like we're making decisions based on our customers or ourselves our families you know if we have a lot of employees down the line, our employees, instead of focusing and making decisions based on investors, which ends up happening for a lot of companies. I've seen it go, go south pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the freedom thing is, a, is an interesting segue for us because that kind of... So we talked a little bit about ad reform. That's what we started with. And then we, while building it, we were leaning so heavily on customer feedback since we don't have backgrounds in that industry per se. Mm-hmm. We're coming at it from a different angle. Um, which I think helped helped us with the way we came up with the solution, but it hurt us in terms of having a strong opinion. And so we leaned heavily on customer feedback and then built a tool for that. And because it's just you and me, we got to decide like, hey, let's let's take a month and build this thing and see what happens. And that's what led to user feed. I highly doubt we would have been able to do that if we had investors. Like having to go to them and say, hey, by the way, we're going to build this this other product for an entire month that has zero to do with... <laughs> with our current product. So being able to have that freedom to create and do what you want to do, I think it also helped that that new product that we were building, I remember us having this conversation where it's like, you know, we'll spend one month and worst case scenario, nobody cares about it except for us. And we actually get a really cool product that we can use for ourselves. Yep. If that's the worst case scenario and we spend a month on that, I think that's worth it because now we have a free, uh, essentially a free tool. So yeah, like not totally free, but the overhead from it being an internal tool to being a tool other people could use, we felt like that trade-off was worthwhile. And I think that turned out to be a good move for us. And it's also just been fun having two different things. So I guess I kind of alluded to this, but user feed, for those who don't know, is a tool for managing feedback. Um, But it's built specifically for intercom customers. So we are an intercom customer. And as an intercom customer, we wanted something that was easy. So we built our product on top. So it's been cool having two completely different products in terms of what they solve, but also just their orientation. Um, One is a very standalone thing that we manage and control, and one is built on top of someone else's platform. Yeah. It's easy to get a little bit like burnt out on doing one thing like all the time, like working on one product or one project all the time. We actually heard Jason Freed from Basecamp. Um, He was talking about this. He called it TikTok development of like flipping back and forth between two different products. 
it's actually like beneficial to to you and not getting burnt out and and things like that but i also think it's kind of like i look at it as like cross training a little bit like i played a bunch of sports growing up and i always played a bunch of sports because it was like good cross training for you know play soccer you're going to get faster and that helps me in baseball and football and all that kind of stuff so they're very different businesses very different pricing models different kinds of users and in different industries and i think it's been really interesting to like learn a little bit on both sides of those things that we could apply to each other that's been really fun um so yeah i know uh, you wrote a blog about this recently yeah so we i just wrote a blog maybe we'll add it to the show the notes. site or something yeah yes. show notes or whatever things that podcasters have <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we kind of talk about seven different things that we we think sort of helped us to to get to 250k as a bootstrap business. Or one of the reasons why we have sort of run our business this way is that we wanted to run a profitable business. And you know, obviously, there's you have to sort of have that mindset in almost everything that you do. Kyle's a big believer in what's the book Profit First. So um, I mean, maybe talk a little bit about how we've I from the very beginning focused on you know profiting first i think it goes back to even like what we started out with at ad reform like i remember that conversation being like this is the quickest way we could get to a dollar in revenue totally everything has been focused on that yeah yeah like when we started the company we were we had an idea to build a slightly different solution and the first thing we did was following all the all the guidelines by going and talking to potential customers um, and out of those conversations, we identified, hey, this screenshot stuff um, that our product does now, at, this looks like a, a shorter line from you know zero to dollars in, in the door and maybe a slightly narrower problem space. Although I guess that's probably turned out to maybe not be completely the case, but at least enough that we could get some early customers. And because we were looking to fund it through customers, it was like, let's find the shortest path to money. And I think Profit First, the book is like, I would definitely check that out if you're into that kind of thing. I think having that idea that like, we're not, we don't just like take a pile of revenue, spend a bunch of it on different stuff. And then whatever's left is profit. It's basically like you get money in the door and then you take your profit out that you want. um, And then the rest of the stuff you have to divide into what's left. So it helps kind of change your mindset to be capital efficient. So you're not just like, hey, we have $100, $100, that means I can spend $90 on dinner and $10 on drinks. Instead of doing that, you're like, how much money of the 100 do I want left? Yeah. And I think even though that's all it is really, um, at the end of the day, um, I think it's, it's good to have that uh, foundation as a business, especially when you're bootstrapping. Well, we should talk about the things that haven't, I guess, been um, super fun through this process. <laughs> One of those things is, uh, as a part of trying to build a profitable business, we didn't pay ourselves for quite some time. So what was that? Like over a year, like a year and it was about 18, three months, about 18 months, I think 18 months. Yeah. So for all you out there, not that I'm keeping, to, not that I was keeping track or anyone in my family <laughs> was keeping were. track. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we did not pay ourselves, uh, a dime for, for that long. And that was, um, I mean, I had, I had saved up, uh, knowing that that would, you know, that could potentially be the case. So it wasn't, you know, the end of the world or anything, but it's still like, that's the reality of it, right? Like you've, you know, I think that's what a lot of people, that's why a lot of people like some of these different new uh, funding resources out there, like Tiny Seed or Earnest Capital and some of these different things. It sort of helps you make that transition. Like if we were to start a company today, having gone through this experience, I would, 
highly consider those things like in the same situation in life i think it would have been <laughs> it would have been pretty helpful to to have like a little bit of a uh, little you know 100 200k up front for sure that we could live on until we you know got to 250k or whatever that number may be so there were i mean uh there were tough times and so you know as a part of building a profitable business you have to you're going to have to make sacrifices like that um to kind of get to that point yeah yeah i think um like you said having more options now um makes it a little more a little easier i think if that had existed at the time we probably would have at least looked into it yeah um, and we and we would have used it like to pay ourselves yeah we've been pretty conservative so we we waited 18 months we probably could have started before that but mm-hmm. like having money in the bank for runway is something that i do like i'm very conservative about that um and I, especially bringing on you know bringing on people that aren't us you want to be able to commit to them for a certain amount of time and one other thing that we did i think is kind of i don't know if other people do this or not but um you know in s- subscription businesses you'll get some you know month to month uh subscriptions and then you're going to get some like larger potentially larger annual upfront subscriptions and you try to get as many of those as you can um but we have focused on like we don't in terms of paying ourselves or any of that like it's all based on cash flow both paying ourselves and other people that that work on our team um it's all based on monthly cash flow so if we get any like big upfront annual deals which we do have we just like stash those in the bank like we don't even touch that stuff so that's just purely profit we kind of just that's our default so yeah yeah that's been super helpful so um moving on to another another topic i think as a bootstrap business something that's probably pretty valuable is like how do you get customers um we've focused primarily on free channels well not even primarily like just free channels <laughs> i think that's been super important in terms of our growth um is not having to pay to acquire customers which is what you see a lot of times with more you know heavily funded businesses they're doing a lot of online advertising and obviously hiring sales teams and doing that sort of thing and i i have a background in sales so i've been able to do some of that stuff but the majority of our um the majority of our our business has just been through like inbound free channels so we have a couple different free channels one is on the ad reform side is just purely like google search so owning owning that space um as well as any websites that are talking about the subject you know that your product solves so you know things like uh reddit or quora or other websites that you know are highly ranking for your keywords on uh on google that's been our biggest focus in terms of ad reform and it's it's worked out well like there's (laughs) there's there's literally websites that two years ago we wrote like an answer to like somebody asked a question about screenshots and we wrote some answer to it and we get like we get a lot of our business from that and it's something that we didn't like we did it two years ago yeah which is crazy yeah those things Um, hang around i I think part of what made the the actual product like idea good is that there aren't a lot of people doing it um at least not the way we're doing it and and i think kind of a side effect a happy side effect of that is that there's also not a lot of people trying to get everyone to look at their solution because there aren't that many so Mm -hmm. we kind of i think we kind of lucked into getting some seo boosts from that but then i think as we as we've noticed that like we we tried going outbound it's a little harder 
Um, so we've been more deliberate about those inbound channels. Yeah. Um, and then on the user feed side, you know, pretty obvious one, we're built a hundred percent on intercom. So, um, there was a lot of reasons why we did that, but one of those reasons is the obvious free acquisition channel to their customer base, which is well, like 30 or 40,000 and growing customers. So being able to, uh, be on their app store has been, has been huge. And I know they've posted a bunch of our, <laughs> like quotes from me or whatever saying like, you know, 75% of our revenue comes from, from intercom. And that's totally true. It, it's super simple. And there's a lot of companies, a lot of bootstrappers doing this kind of thing on different platforms too. So you've got like Slack and Shopify. Um, I don't know. There's Salesforce, Salesforce GitHub, Heroku. But yeah, yeah, there's tons. I think that was actually kind of a happy accident too, because we, when we started building on intercom, we actually started building it before they had their proper app store and a lot of the a lot of the plat- the APIs that they have now. So we we just happened to time that well and they they released that like shortly after we started building a basic internal tool on top. Um and so that really worked out because not only did we have a little bit of a head start, we also got to be early in the app store and so we got you know a, a little more exposure that way. Um yeah. helped helped build like a partnership with the people over there too. Yep. So that's been that's been huge um having that steady flow of leads coming in um you know obviously intercom's platform has gotten a little bit more popular over the last year since we started that <laughs> um i would say so yeah so there's there's quite a few quite a few companies now kind of like in our in our little uh feedback space um you know none of them doing you know quite what we do um in terms of like we're solely built on intercom but you know, to the end, you know, the end user, like that doesn't matter as much, right? It's like, they don't see the difference right up front. So it has slowed down a little bit um, in terms of leads. Um, but we're still getting that steady dose of leads. Um, I think the platform is still in the first inning. So I think there's, there's a lot of room for growth. And we've got some different ideas for strategies to kind of build sort of a, uh, a, a flywheel, I guess you could say inside of intercoms app store. So. Um, but again, that's another free channel for us. So, you know, we're not, you know, we're not paying for, for customers, right? So our customer acquisition cost is, is essentially zero, which has been super helpful going back to that last thing of, of building a profitable bootstrap business. So, yeah, definitely. That's a good lead into, so that's like how we acquire customers. We keep the costs super, super low. Um, and then on the other end, when we're trying to get money in the door, we try to look at our pricing a lot and increase it. Exactly. So uh, ProfitWell, the folks at ProfitWell, Patrick, they talk about this stuff all the time. Like, you know, the number one thing you can do is increase your pricing. That's going to, you know, it's the number one thing you can do in terms of increasing your revenue. Um, And I, I gotta say, I I definitely agree with that. (laughs) Um, and And not just in terms of like, you know, a way to, to increase revenue, but it's like, it's the easiest way. Like if you had a, if you were looking at things in terms of like effort or time spent, you know, what building this feature, you know, building this product or doing advertising or doing this, doing that, like the lowest effort thing you can do to have the biggest impact is changing your pricing. Totally. I think one thing maybe we'll dive into on a later episode is that the one thing as a developer that I think about on that side that I think I don't hear people talking about a lot is 
how pricing changes kind of flow through into your product, depending on how deep your product is tied to the pricing itself or how do you condition like features and what do you make available for upgrades and stuff. That's something that I think people don't talk about. Not that it's depending on how you structure it, it's not a huge issue, but it is uh, a little bit of a a cost, you know, so to speak, of the price increase. You mean like making a change to your pricing and then having to go change it on the marketing side and then having to go change it and make create new plans and stripe yeah. and like all this kind of stuff. And then and then depending on how you've structured like are you telling or you know, are you allowing access to certain things based on plan information and are you changing that in the new mm-hmm. pricing model? Um I also think it's there's more nuance in pricing like are you changing numbers or are you changing the value metrics or that that sounds like a good thing for a future episode, but yeah, fundamentally, that's a whole topic yeah, on itself. Fundamentally, uh, you're you're improving your product, raising prices, and getting more money. It, it it's easier to do than it feels, and um, especially for me, like it definitely there's an element of doubt about hey, people are people gonna buy the thing that I made? Yeah, um, and I think trying to fight that back and just say, you know, we're gonna try this, and we already have people paying, and they're getting value, so let's do it. Exactly. I think our, I mean, this has been a huge, huge impact to our business um, in terms of revenue. I'm pretty sure our um, average deal size has gone from like 350 a month or something like that to, at least on the ad reform side, um, to like, I think now it's 760 or 750, 760 a month. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's a big jump in the last like, you know, two years. And, um, I mean, it's, it's played a huge role in terms of like us getting to 250 K. Totally. I think and we should have gone higher. Yeah. Like we should, I think we're about to go higher again. Yeah. So. In the, in the future, Sorry, in a future folks. episode, whenever this future episode is that we talk more about this, yeah. you can almost pull apart, like where did those bumps happen? Where did those key, where are those markers like in our, in our revenue graph? Um, and you can look at like, was this related to product changes or was this related to, you know, pricing changes? And the definitely the biggest bumps are we, we shifted around features and pricing in the tiers and like, boom. If you change something in the product, even if it's revolutionary and a ton of people are going to want it, it's going to take a while for people to, to like, to find it and then like start referring people and all that kind of stuff. So you're like, the, the ability to grow revenue based on that change is going to be a lot slower than just like, okay, here's the same amount of leads that we've been getting. We're just going to change the pricing and we're going to have an instant impact. So, and it's again, back to that whole idea that it's like, it's a pretty low effort move. Obviously there's some thoughtfulness that needs to go into it, but it's pretty low effort in terms of, you know, in comparison to like building a new feature or something. Totally. So if you're out there and you have a SaaS product, you should probably change your pricing yesterday. Yeah. So I think we'll get into more of that as we go, Um, but we can jump to your next your next uh, topic here, which was uh, experimentation, which is something we're, we've said literally from day one that we never wanted to let go. Um, so having, mm-hmm. again, like being bootstrapped, we have that freedom to choose like, hey, we're going to try to tinker with this thing for a week or two and see what happens. Um, and I think as we've gone on and now that we have like a little bit of that personal finance stress uh, reduced, mm-hmm. I think it's we've been better about identifying what are the ways we can do this without actually writing any code. And I know that's like a, that's a pretty hot topic these days. Um, no code. At least in our, in our circles. But 
it's been really great to to try it out and we use like Zapier and Typeform and all these things um a ton and in different ways and a lot of it you know the plan might be to at some point build like a first class code based solution but you got to get to find out is that worth it first right and also just like and some like you're finding out if it's worth it but you're also like you may not solve a problem perfectly but like customers really appreciate when you figure out some way to solve their problem. So like a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, like a couple examples would be, um, you know, I remember you had a lot of people asking for Slack integration for user feed. Um, you know, they wanted to get alerted when they got new, you know, product feedback from customers. And so you know, obviously building a Slack integration is, you know, fairly involved and it would probably take some time. And, um, you know, we wanted to get a solution out there like pretty quickly, at least something basic that people could have. And so I know you hacked together a bunch of different things with like Zapier and just, and I won't go too much into detail, but basically just like complete hack job. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's better than nothing. And, and part it of was it, in like a day. Yeah. Like we're totally, like one yeah. day, right? We, we already had the, the technical part was already done because we basically do it via intercom and they already have a Zap, uh, Zapier integration. So yeah, I mean, that's a great example. And, and, not only is that like, okay, cool, now our customers have value and we didn't have to spend a bunch of time, but it helps us identify like, you know, when we do build a first class Slack integration, what what does it need to do? And people have a tangible thing that they can be like, I like what the thing that you have now does, but um, but you know, I wish it did X, Y, and Z. And I think it's it's easier to get that feedback than just kind of sending a survey or Exactly. That like there's nothing like getting something something in somebody's hands letting them check it out and then them giving you their feedback on uh where it solves their problem where it doesn't solve their problem um and that kind of thing and, and i know when we released that slack pack um <laughs> there a bunch of people were really happy that we had something and then there was a bunch of people that were happy they'd say like this is awesome but yeah it doesn't do this you know x y and z and that's great like and we wouldn't have known that had we not put something out there in front of them for some reason the visual that i always have um when you talk about like you know giving someone something and then they have 50 more requests uh the visual i always get is minesweeper so like when you click you like click a box in minesweeper and like sometimes it's like one one box sometimes it's like a a whole slew of boxes and sometimes it just blows up and you lose the game i feel like that's like feature development in a in a nutshell it's like sometimes you you build something and and it just leads you down a path and more and more there's more and more things around it. Um, and, and no code is like a great way to assess that, take that temperature without a big upfront investment. Exactly. And we had, I mean, we could probably go into like like 10 different examples of that, but we've even gone as far as kind of going the no cr- code route, at least on the ad reform side, um, to see if there's demand for something and literally asking people to pay for it. Like, here's this new feature that we really know that we sort of just hacked together with a couple different uh, tools like Typeform and stuff. Um, but we put it out there and we like we have one out there uh, and people are paying, you know, I don't know how much, a couple thousand dollars in MRR coming from that feature. And so now we know, um, not, not only have we gotten feedback, but we know there's demand for it and we can make it a lot better by actually doing a first class uh, like feature build out for yeah, it. So totally. I guess as a creator of things, it's fun to make stuff. So it's easy to get caught up on like, how could we make it? And how does it fit with what we have? And what are all the different ways we could take this? 
Um, but like you said, at the end of the day, our customers have problems. And if we can solve those, even if it's not the perfect solution that we could imagine in our heads, it's, it's still worth throwing out there. So yeah, absolutely. Just jumping into another, another thing here. We talked a little bit about like acquiring customers earlier, which if you're a bootstrapped, you know, SaaS or any SaaS business, right? Like that's probably, that's probably the number one thing on your mind, especially if you're early stage, actually, no, probably at every stage. Um, but everybody's so focused on acquiring customers. Um, I think what sometimes gets lost is it's probably much more important to keep those customers. Um, you know, maybe if you're raising the next round or something like that, you can acquire, you know, have a lot of velocity in terms of, of new customers, but you're just pushing that off till later. Cause at the, at the end of the day, like at some point it's going to all come back to retention. If you can't keep customers for two, three, four, five, six, you know, years, you're not going to be profitable. <laughs> As a small team too, it's, it's both, obviously it's good for your business, no matter how you're structured or how you're financed. But I think especially when you're bootstrapped and let's say you hit a little bit of a stride and you have some decent revenue coming in, like maintaining that is so powerful because it frees you up to like, it frees up your mental kind of your, the cognitive load that you had before you had customers is like kind of reduced. Um, And you get to focus on not only acquiring new customers, but even just like supporting your existing customers. And if you're not trying to become the next billion dollar company, you know, you don't have to stress about how many customers you're getting in the door mm. per se, especially if you have good inbound channels. Um, you can focus more on like supporting your existing customers, finding what they need and solving those problems and then handling inbound in parallel and growing that way. And I think that's, it makes it a lot easier. Um, and I mean, that's one reason we love Intercom um, because it lets us do a lot of things as a small team and, and be very responsive. Um, and for us, that's the most important thing. Obviously you have to have some sort of velocity on, on the acquisition side. Like if you have no customers, that's, that's not good. But if you had to choose between like, which one is kind of like a stronger metric, like you would want to choose retention. Our strongest metric as a company is, is definitely retention. Like we have net negative churn, um, on both products. And that's the reason why we're, still here today <laughs> and yeah. getting to 250k yeah we put a lot of time into it and continue to and um i think all of these topics we're kind of skimming the surface there's a lot to talk about but it's a good kind of survey of hey we went from nothing two and a half years ago to two different SaaS businesses that are making money paying salaries we've built up a nice little list of our own SaaS products that we pay for which has been kind of fun to like have the funding to buy things that help us including like stuff for this podcast mm-hmm. um and and that's all in the blog post so check that out I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes like we said earlier so this show itself is going to be us sharing our journey as we go um but that this 250k milestone felt like a good spot to take a look back and see what things do we think uh contributed to our success thus far um i'm sure we'll get into those more as we as we go yeah absolutely Every, every time we sit down in the office, there's some new topic of something either we're working on or just talking about that we could, you know, turn into a, an episode. And I think what we're trying to, this one might be a little bit longer than what we're planning on, but we're trying to keep this, what, under 30 minutes, yeah. like quick and easy. Yeah, I guess I, I would be remiss if I didn't shout out the 
the bootstrapped slash software founder slash whatever you want to call it um, category of podcasts out there. <laughs> I've been listening to those, um, that category for a while, even before we started, but especially since we've started. Um, and that's part of what's driven us to to do it ourselves here. So thank you to all those who have spent the time putting out your thoughts and your experiences. Um, we're we're looking forward to continuing to do that as well and give back a little bit. Hopefully some of the stuff we talk about is useful and yeah, we'll we'll try to be a little more concise as we get a little bit better at these, but um we appreciate you listening. And yeah, and also we should throw this in especially since we're a feedback company. If you have any feedback yes. about the podcast, <laughs> um definitely uh definitely reach out um let us know what you think what you liked what you didn't like what you'd like to see more of um we're super open to uh all feedback if there's things that you want to hear more about topics um you want us to talk louder like i don't know yeah. anything <laughs> yep yes <laughs> we'll record it all in user feed and for that feedback um you can go to madewithgrit.fm and we'll throw a feedback link up there or you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Conero. And I am uh, at LandonB32. So those are some ways to get at us if you have thoughts. Yeah, I guess that's a wrap. And we'll be back at some point soon with another episode. Awesome. See you guys. <laughs>